0: We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast.
1: Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today, we get to jump in and break down our May breakfast with executive pastor of the Tulsa campus, Chris Turner. As always, I have Matt Schrader here. We're gonna jump in. There is a lot of meat here. I actually, when I went back and listened to the audio podcast of this, uh, I know we say it every time, but there was so much more. And I don't know. I don't know if it's just I'm not awake fully at seven in the morning, and I just can't absorb everything as good as I. As I do when it's later in the day, but man, there was so much really good stuff and I'm really excited to jump into it. Matt, hello. How are you doing? Good to see you. Hey,
0: Evan. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here once again. And you're right. When I went back and listened to Chris talk again, it's just, there's so many levels. I mean, it's really, I attribute it to the emotion and the crisis he went through himself. He's communicating so much more than just the specific words he says. You know, if you want, if you read this typed out, He wouldn't have the same impact as when you see him and you hear him and know that you, you can get the very sense of the difficulty he went through with the passing of his mom. And then what became two challenges everybody faces, which is that first when you're moving from your faith or from your parents' faith to your faith. And then the second one, dealing with a question that you had for God that didn't get answered in the way you expected it to get answered, like those are two huge, monumental places in our life, and He attacked them both at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot there. I, th- I think probably just to to jump into it, he he talked a little bit about just being planted. I think that was kind of his fir- his first point, which led to all the other other things and. I almost feel like that in itself is a like a, a pretty deep conversation that we can go into. He quoted Psalms 1, which is, Blessed is the man who de- whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And went on to say that the tree like will bear fruit in season. And it's like a tree uh, by a stream. And he said something that really kind of impacted me was that yielding fruit is seasonal, even if you're planted. And I think that that, that message really resonated for me because i feel like there's definitely seasons in life we always talk about that but i i don't think we always attribute seasons in terms of even just being in in direct communication with god or having a strong relationship with god that even if you have that it's not all you know sunshine and rainbows there's there's still seasons that are involved in that and so you know kind of sitting back and reflecting on that a little bit i was i was like all right well can you identify those those fruit seasons and and where they came from? Like, like is is there is there a time that you really set aside and and say to yourself, you know, I feel like I'm pretty in tune in, in my relationship with God. You know, and, and I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but let's let's say that we're we're making that assumption that we're we feel like we have a strong relationship with God. We're spending time, we're staying planted and rooted. Are you taking that time to reflect on your seasons of life? And seasons where God has blessed you, or or what what Chris would classify, or the Bible would classify as a fruitful season, a harvest, and are you attributing that back to God? I, I think sometimes we get uh, we get into a situation where we it, it can be easy for us to take credit for some of the, the successes that we have. I know it's easy for us to to point blame right whenever we screw up, but when success is happening or or those fruitful seasons are happening. Is that something that you're attributing back to God or are you even taking the time to attribute that? I, I know that I'm guilty of of that for a lot of it. It's just like I feel like the struggle is just always happening. And it's it's like every every especially in the last couple couple of months, I feel like there's just a lot of adversity and there's a lot of like uh a lot of trials that I feel like I'm going through. But at the same time, if I turn around and actually reflect on just not just the, you know, the last couple of months, but even some of the what I would classify as a trial, trial, you know, having some of those trials it is a result of me being in the place that I'm in, which is actually a blessing, and, and it's, it's a blessing. We, we call it first world problems a lot of the time, and I think that a lot, a lot of the time those first world problems is really a blessing that we should be pointing back to God and saying, God, thank you. This is awesome. This is something that uh, I really appreciate, and uh, I recognize that this is some of the fruit that you've brought in this season for me. so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I echo everything you just said. And then I add to it a little bit of my own experience. When he said seasonal, it just hit me differently than we, when we say the phrase, this is a season I'm in. They both essentially mean the same thing. But when he said seasonal, it reminded me of the cyclical nature of everything. How you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. And majority of times, at least I, I've seen in my life and I see around in my community. When you're submitted to God, your life is up and to the right. Pastor Witt uses that analogy. If you're listening to this and you don't understand that up and to the right is if you're looking at a graph that starts at the bottom left-hand corner, then continues to go and get better and better and better your life would be. But it's not a straight line. Of course, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. That's the picture that hit me when I thought, when I heard the word seasonal, it's like, oh yeah, this is a fluctuating situation. So you know, you've heard the phrase, this too shall pass. We can use that most of the time we use it in negative situations, but that's also good situations. You know, I had a boss one time, was a head coach of mine, and he used to say, never too high, never too low. And he was reflecting the idea that those times that are amazing are gonna come to an end and you'll be back to times where they're difficult. They're you know, there's obstacles that you're facing. So yeah, the the idea, just that portion, you know, you were mentioned earlier that it's like there's certain topics that chris hit on that could be entire sermons themselves but just the you know type a type driving business nature of the american economy and then everybody that seems to be thriving in it like to face that and say wow there's going to be some times where things are fruitful and then times where i want to say it's not fruitful but it's possible that Instead of saying unfruitful, a better word there is I'm in a season of sowing. You know, I'm in a winter season where, yes, there's no fruit on the tree, but there's plenty of potential inside the trunk. I think that's where it hit me is just, it reminds me of my trust in God there. Because it's, you said it, it's easy to trust in yourself when things are going well, easy, of course, to look for somebody else's fault when things aren't going well. And neither of those responses are correct. Both of those situations, you should be looking at, man, God has given the increase. Or if there's a time of drought or a time of wilderness, God's taking me through this. Maybe I'm getting better at something. Maybe I'm growing. Maybe I'm learning. Maybe I'm reaping a harvest of some poor decisions I've made. Either way, my trust and my sustenance is all sitting on the foundation of my submittance, the submitting of my life to Christ. Well, that tees up perfectly
1: what Chris was essentially. Kind of getting on on his points. I, I don't know that I got like an official title for it, but what I kind of got from what he was saying was here's the three things that I've learned so far from following God, and he, that's where he kind of really dives in, into a lot of a lot of his, his points because he ties that to like what you were talking about what, when his mother had passed away and, and him having a crisis of faith, and I think that you know getting into that, that part of it, that's definitely something that's, I think we all face at some time, like you know, when that real adversity comes, when you really put in that, that position where you have to trust God and your faith is tested, um, you know, I, 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 liken it to, you know, there, there is definitely that, that moment of coattails, right. Where you're younger and, and a lot of times you kind of absorb the faith of your parents or the people around you. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is, uh, you know, this sounds good. Like I, I can get on board with that. That's, uh, you know I. I'll, I, I believe in the in the existence of God and, you know, these are some interesting stories and, and maybe I'll get some life hacks out of this. And you, you just kind of, just kind of go through life. And, and you hear, you hear about people's adversity and, and, you know, what they were able to do getting through that adversity and, and, and the relationship with God throughout that. And I think for a lot of us, we enjoy those stories. We're, we're captivated and we're engaged because we always want to say like, how did, how did you persevere? How did you get through that struggle? And I think that when we always kind of take a moment and point back to God, especially, you know, that's one of the things that God has kind of created us to do is be a reflection of him and to be like him. I think that's, that's why we're engaged in terms of wanting to know the rest of the story. But then at the same time. I, I would much rather learn from other people's failures than than my own. Yes. <laughs> like I feel like I can accomplish a lot more that way. Um but I I need to walk through those those challenging moments in life and and for Chris one of his challenging moments was was when his his mom passed away at a young age and just recognizing that God I need you in this. I I I can't do this myself. This this moment is bigger than me. I have all of these emotions. I don't know how to move forward. And I think that at some point we all go through that. And, you know, some of us may not have fully walked through that. And part of that can be a blessing, right? Like we don't want adversity. Uh, But at the same time, just knowing that just in life, you will have trouble. And when that trouble happens, I feel like that's, that's a pivotal moment for you to really kind of look at your relationship with God, and say, do I just know about God, or do I have that relationship that Chris really dives into kind of as we go a little bit deeper here. But he, he says, knowing about God doesn't mean the same thing as knowing God. And, you know, we've talked about it here on this podcast, just understanding the character of God. Like, you know, when you read the Bible, like if you want to know who God is, Read what he wrote about himself or what others have, have written about him. Read his word. You know, that's that's the, the closest way for us to get closer in that relationship and, and for him to fully reveal himself to us so that when you're in that situation, you can say, okay, God, I know this is not from you. I know that you're a God of love. I know that you're, you know, not going to put me in a situation that is too big for me. You tell me countless times not to be afraid. So that's, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to walk through this with you. And I think that when when you fully understand that, you you see his faithfulness, that's where the relationship really kicks in and you have that difference of knowing God or knowing about God or uh, just accepting the existence of God to that walking relationship where you
0: can fully trust in God. Yeah, that's good. That's, you've hit on really the crux of I think what he was trying to communicate, this comp- opposing characteristic of your relationship with God of knowing a lot about God and then actually knowing an intimate connection and trust to God you know if I I reflect on my own journey in that I didn't really know that I just knew about God as much as I can when I look back so it was like if you had asked me 10, 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was, when my relationship with God was really characterized more by just knowing a lot about him, treating the Bible kind of like a magic book, you know, kind of having this fallback when I get in trouble. I would have told you, yeah, I know God. I have a relationship with God. But I didn't really know. I didn't have an intimacy. I didn't have a connection. My thoughts didn't immediately go to him. You know, that's one of the things I look for with myself is if I'm developing an intimate time with God, then my thoughts go to him often, just like it would in any relationship. The closer friendships you have, your wife, your parents, your brothers and sisters, whatever close relationships you have in your life, those relationships, if you'll kind of observe yourself thinking, you go to those a lot. You know, maybe you have a person you go to for advice quite a bit, depending on your age. Or maybe, you know, obviously the spouse is the number one hit here. But, you know, if your brain goes to a certain person a lot, that's because there's a connection there. So you can look at yourself. This is what I had to do later on in my early in my 20s when I said, you know, when I get in trouble, when I face difficulty, when I face challenge, where does my mind go intimately as far as connection? You know, I I moved into this space where I would try to go find a scripture to kind of Harry Potter it up and make it all better. But I had to acknowledge that that wasn't really going to God. It was really just using some kind of powerful thing I had found. It might as well have been a life hack, like you said. So when you're in that space, until you get around people that really know God, it's hard to it's hard to detect that about yourself because you think, oh, yeah. I'm in a relationship with God. I know this, this, and this. I go to church. I do this thing. I do this thing. But those are just all components that should flow out of a relationship with God. They're not necessarily the actual relationship with God itself. So, you know, I'm glad he brought up and he did it in a great way where he, you could kind of watch. Remember, he talks about how he faces that his mom just died. So now if you're in that space, you're like, well, why didn't God heal her? You know, that's the, those are the questions, of course, that get asked around here. Or if you're in a different part of the doctrine or a different part of the country, you might ask, well, why did God take her? Or why did this happen to her if she's a good person? Like, there's a lot of questions that bring you to this place of challenge where now you have a decision because it's hard to be close and intimate to a God you don't trust. So those moments without answers to those questions then put us in a place where, well, do I even trust God? So his logic was, okay, well, I don't have to actually answer the question of trust, I can just go through the logical progression of, you know, do I believe the world came out of random? Well, no, I personally don't believe that Chris is saying, you know, do I believe then that there must be a designer? Well, yes, there must be a designer. And then if that designer is God, then yes. And it would seem like it would be plausible. Then he would send his son. Like all these things could have happened if a God was real. So there was an intelligent approach to, him staying a Christian. So there's a lot of internal struggle here, especially if you've been through it, because you're in this fight of like, I don't trust this God anymore that I'm supposed to be submitted to, yet I'm not really ready, nor do I want to reject God either. So I, where is the space? How do I exist in a space that says God is real, but I don't trust him? Well, you find that place. He did. He found that place in his academic approach to God. Like, okay, I'll just live my life. You know, for me, it was, I would say this all the time. God set a bunch of rules. He kind of correct he kind of set the world up to work a certain way. And then he spun it. But outside of that, he's pretty much not, not involved. I just, as a Christian, kind of worked the systems he developed. That's it. That's my whole relationship with God. That I would that would be my perspective 20 years ago. Well, I liken that to Chris's academic approach of like, well, there has to be an intelligent designer, so it must be God. And if he was God, yeah, he probably could send his son, Jesus, so on and so forth. So, but then when you have to walk in and face that question, which Chris did, and if you go to our church, you've seen a couple of videos, you probably heard him speak on facing that question. A lot of intimacy is developed there. I don't have a good answer of like, what does that feel like? What does that look like? Because everybody's different and their relationship with God is different. But that is where your intimacy, when you can face that question, and that's what he talked about. He had to start facing that question. You know, he didn't even say what answer he came to. He just said he faced it, you know, through grief, through counseling, through a number of different things. And through that, he could come to a place where he knew God intimately, rather than just concluding that God must be real. And all of this must have happened. Yeah. But I think that's intentional.
1: I, I, I think that in terms of like, if Chris were to just get up there and be like, here's the answer, here's the conclusion that I came to. And I have logically proven to you the existence of God and why it makes sense to follow him. Uh, for, for me as a, as a person hearing that, then I'm right back where I started, which is, well, Uh, I, Chris has convinced me to believe in God and therefore now I believe in God based on Chris's experience and Chris's relationship. And that's, that's not enough. Uh, he says, uh, somewhere around here. Um, let me see if I have it in my notes. Is your relationship with God based on a way of thinking that doesn't require a change of heart? There's no depth to that. And I, I, and, and he, he kind of ties that. I think he said it was a podcast that he listened to, but it's like okay, like yeah, I my relationship with God is based on all of the information that I've heard, and so therefore I'm yeah I'm a I'm t- I'm a team Jesus team God Holy Trinity here we go like I the, I there's my allegiance I, I pick them like I pick a sports team like okay like. We're close to Texas. I'm in close proximity to God, so I guess I'm a Cowboys fan, right? Like I'm in close proximity to, to to Dallas, so I'm a Cowboys fan. That's that's not what we're talking about here. There's 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 more to that relationship, and I think what he's trying to do, or or what I, I think he's implying is, like this is my journey. This is the direction that I went. And this is kind of my thought process. But you know, we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast that. The, the, the message that we hear uh, at the breakfast is, is like a, it's, it's, it's like a notch, like it's something to grab onto, but there's a, there's a journey that, that follows. And I think that when you can hear those things, hopefully it intrigues you to say, okay, this is something I want to pursue, not jump to the conclusion of, all right, I'm a Christian because I've. I've heard your story and therefore I'm interested. You've convinced me because I, man, I I can't remember who said it. Um, But it was like, if from a theological standpoint, you're convinced that God exists, then really you're just convinced until you hear a greater excuse for why he doesn't. And so you get yourself into a position where, again, absent a relationship you're really just kind of bouncing from theology to theology that basically resonates with you as opposed to your actual relationship with God in that situation. And so, you know, Chris is saying, you know, here's the three things that I've learned about God in my journey. And I think that these are not the end all be all three things, but these are some important nuggets or or clues that, you know, his walk with God has produced and he wants to share them with us, which is fantastic. But on the other side of it, your journey can be different. Your journey will have different adversity. Your, your journey may have different situations that you have to walk through that ultimately hopefully are pointing you back to God, right? Pointing you in, in in a situation where like, God, I need you. God, you know, I'm in a situation where I really have to kind of see where you are in all of this. And for me, I I want to be in that situation where it's like, yeah, of course, God, like, I'm not going to fear because I know you're there. Well, or of course, God, I'm going to trust you because you told me to trust you. Well, you know what? When I really need to trust God, it's not a singular moment. It's an ongoing, uh, it's it's an ongoing thing. Like I might be saying that to myself or praying that throughout the day, like, <laughs> okay, God, I'm trusting you again. And you, uh, it, it, this is a big situation, but I don't have my answer yet. And I think we, I think we discount that trust yeah. is not like a thing that you say. Trust is a, is an action that that requires a span of time, and you may be trusting all the way to the end of your life. You may be trusting uh, to the end of a medical procedure. You may be trusting, you know, for restoration in a relationship. There's different timelines involved with all of that, but if you truly have that walk with God where you're like, God, I've trusted you in this and you came through, I trusted you in this and when you came through, and those situations continue to build, hopefully when the situation feels enormous, you're like, hey, God, like I trusted you in this and you came through, so why should I feel any different? I I think of the analogy of uh, David and Goliath where he was like, I trust myself or uh, I guess it was himself with like, he didn't have an issue fighting a bear. He didn't have an issue fighting a lion. so when Goliath was there and uh, in front of him and he was like, this isn't a big deal. Like, like I've worked my way to this point. Well, in your relationship, you work that way forward in your relationship with God. The adversity may grow. The situation may different, but it's still the same God who's standing there saying, don't be afraid. You got this. Uh, I'm gonna walk through this with you. And not only that, take my yoke. My burden's light. i'm gonna I'm gonna, you know trust in me. I'm gonna carry you through this, even though you don't know, and then ultimately point back to me. like Chris is pointing back in in this this message. So again, all this I did not get in in uh, <laughs> at seven a m in the morning, but as I kind of walk through it, I'm like, oh man, so much great stuff here. Like having that deeper understanding of God and recognizing that that relationship is different than facts. He said something else that I really resonated. He said, intellectual assent to correct doctrine is not salvation. And I think that maybe that's even probably the more important uh, statement, not just a, do I trust in God? Do I, do I have him in a situation where I need him? Or, you know, he's, he's potentially kind of building that relationship, but you know, he, he goes straight to salvation. Like, you need to look at your actual faith you need to do a inventory of what is my relationship with god as it relates to salvation am i you know am i in a situation where i'm striving to be like christ and and recognizing that i'm a sinner in need of a savior or is it more of a i acknowledge god exists and i'm going to try to be a good person uh, which you know, I thought Jesus was a good person, so I'm going to kind of walk down that path, and you know, hopefully it all works out for me. And if adversity comes, I'll, you know, I got a couple of quip, you know scriptures I can quote, and and you know, I'll I'll think about the things that Chris did in his situation, I'll apply them to mine, and we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think Chris would say you need to look at your salvation. You really need to you really need to analyze where you're at in your relationship with Christ and maybe start at the beginning because starting at the beginning and just saying, I believe in God does not necessarily put you in a situation where you have that true relationship with God. Your belief in God may just be the acknowledgement of like, okay, like I I believe you exist, but not a true trust in God. Like what, you know, we're wanting
0: as a brotherhood to walk towards. Does that make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that was great. It's a bit meaty. They may have may have to rewind it and listen to it again, but I guess you don't rewind anymore. You skip back. But I wanted to essentially say the same thing from how it landed with me. I also didn't catch all this when I listened to it the first time or when I was in the breakfast that morning. But as I listened to it later, and then I talked with my wife quite a bit about it, just because she's been through something similar that Chris has been through. And, concluding that God is God or concluding that the idea behind Christianity is accurate coming to a conclusion, you know, what Chris said, that mental sin, it's interesting because so many of the things you wrote down, I wrote down too, but that mental sin is not salvation. That's because making a conclusion that something is true is not the same as submitting to God. Yeah. That's where I think either Paul or Jesus, when they said, you believe in God? Well, good. That's, that's fantastic. So, the, so, does, does, so does the devil. Believing in God, concluding that he is the accurate description of how this world came to be and who is actually Lord, is not the same as also saying, I submit myself to that Lord. You know, Jesus tells a story of there are going to be people. This blows my mind. There are going to be people that are fully aware that God is God. They're not necessarily deceived that, that we came from a different place or there's a different God. They, they know God is God. And they're still going to choose not to submit to said God. Like that's a real thing that is not just happening now, but we're going to, going to see it play out. Like that just floors me. Like how could you not do that? But the truth is I do it my own pride in small ways often. So just multiply those, take those further, do those more often until you really believe somehow, some way that you don't have to submit to an almighty God and you will have that conclusion. So just concluding, just saying, yep, God's real. Sent Jesus, great guy, whole deal. So glad, you know, grace-based living, all that. That's not the same as saying, Lord, I submit to you, whatever the requirement is, whatever the expectation is that is that salvation. That is when wholeness shows up. And I love that Chris just pointed out and he actually said in a world that is so sometimes I'll use the phrase postmodern postmodern Christian. I think I'm saying that right. But the idea is that Christianity's high, high times it's prime is already passed in America. If that's the case, a lot of people are looking things through the lens of, so the Bible becomes equal to every other book out there. Rather than how I grew up, the Bible is elevated as God's word. If you look at it through the lens of an intellectual perspective, which a lot of people in our society do now, the Bible just becomes a historical book. Well, the a lot of people over the years can, may come to the conclusion that God must be real, and the Bible must be accurate, the most accurate of all religious books. And those people will still have to submit to Christ, even if they believe it's more accurate than the other opposing viewpoints.
1: Yeah, he, he alluded a little bit to that where he talked about Matthew uh,
0: 7, 21,
1: where he said, many will declare that I know you, but from God's standpoint, he'll be like, I never knew you. And that <laughs> that's a really, that, that I mean, I, I think it's easy to kind of, read past that and be like, oh yeah, like that kind of makes sense. But yeah. I, I mean, the, the implications are, are heavy, huge. Uh, he He's like literally giving you a heads up, like, Hey guys, just, just so you know, like if you're not all the way in on, on this, like I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, you this, this is not a, uh, you know, toe in the water type of situation. This isn't, this is an all in thing. He said something uh, to the effect of God's not needy. He's a King that desires your heart. And I don't know that we always look at our relationship with God that way because, I don't know, sometimes I think, I, I, you know, God God's, or Jesus like became the Son of Man, right? So like I feel like it's almost like a peer-to-peer relationship, but really it's not. Like so he's relatable to us through that, but he's the creator of the universe and we are created beings created by him. So is yeah. that really like a like? Do should we treat that as a peer to peer relationship? Like he's relating to us in the sense of like, here's the way that I'm gonna, you know, communicate with you. Like I'm going out of my way to really come to your level and all that other stuff, which is great, right? Like that that makes it that much more digestible for us to understand. But I don't think that that becomes a you know a, a friendship relationship, a best friend relationship, because that's that's still like a a human. I guess is the best way for me to say it. like a, a human way to engage in that relationship, but God's more than that. So why would we, why would we even t- kind of take that view of like, all right, Hey God, like, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it to dinner tonight. Like, I hope you're cool <laughs> with that. You know, <laughs> like, I feel like if we're doing that a lot. We're, we're, we're kind of looking at God maybe as just like, oh, he's my, he's my good friend. Like he'll understand. I got other stuff going on. And, you know god's sitting there going hey i i desire to have a relationship with you but i'm going to be okay without you like it's it's a little tough to hear sometimes and and i you know when we say we we hear things like god is love and all this other stuff yeah like, yes he absolutely is and he's he's going to be there like he's going to be there beside you in the most difficult things but if you don't turn to him he's not going to be like oh matt look over here like i could help you but you're totally ignoring me like you know, please come and you know rest your head on my shoulders. He's like, I'm here, I'm here for you. I'm 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 here to support you. You know, the answer is just a a question away. But I'm not gonna chase you like that. Like, I, I I want to be your king. I created you for those things. You know, you were talking a little bit about just kind of like uh, the intellectual reasoning of God for people, and that's that's how they make their decision. And that made me reflect a little bit about the Ten Commandments, and I've, when I've heard it presented this way, it it really kind of resonated with me, in the sense that, you know, one of the commandments is you should have no other god before me, and so I would always think of that as well. That's a Buddha thing. That's a that's a. Um, I don't know who are the you know Baal thing that's you know whatever God they were talking about in the Bible that's that's them worshiping worshiping a golden statue like you should have no other God before me, and I've heard the analogy of like oh well like it's whatever you spend most time with that's what you worship, and so that can be a God to you. I'm like okay well that kind of makes sense so I need to I need to be you know smart with those things. But what one of the things that I never thought of and and I think really resonated more with anything else is God saying you shall have no other God before me. That includes making God's or or making a a, a version of me that fits Whoa. your narrative or that fits what, good. what you think I should be. So, you know, going back to the relationship part with God, like I believe this even kind of goes into that commandment where God's like saying, hey, you should have no other God before me, even your own version of me. You don't get to decide well, what kind of God I am. You don't get to decide that, yes. uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I, you know, there's certain things that I – will will tolerate. There's certain things that I'm okay with. And there's certain things that I'm I'm not okay with. I am a holy God. I created you. I created you for a purpose. I created you in my image. I did all of these wonderful things for you. And then now you're going to say, well, you know, God, I feel like you're, you're the God that's there when I'm in trouble. And I kind of, you know, if I need you, you're there, but that's kind of it. No, 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 that's not, that's not God. You're, you're creating a God even out of the one true God, you're creating a version of him and you're worshiping that version. And that version is is essentially creating a, a God that it doesn't exist. Like God is not going to say, I you know, check check all the boxes that apply. It's it's all of them. And and this is who I am. And that's 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 part of that relationship is recognizing God's a jealous God. He doesn't He doesn't want those kinds of things. And to be mindful in that relationship of recognizing like what kind of God we serve, having that relationship and really recognizing that, you know, God calls you to follow him for a purpose because that, that helps us be more in alignment with who he is because we are created that way. And so that we can reflect it to others. But, you know, ho- hopefully that, that kind of had the same impact with you as it did with me.
0: Yeah, the, so when we create a God that is in, that is a different version of, of who God is, we create a God that's in our image, and it's vice versa. Mm-hmm. We've been created in His image, and we get that mixed up. In fact, I start to think when I start thinking about the old gods that you hear about—the Bell, the astrath and then, of course, you fast forward that. Now you got Buddha. And you got these other that are like considered gods, like in that sense. Or I'm my right. own god. There's a lot. I come to too. the conclusion that really it's all a lie that we choose to believe so that I can worship myself. I just picked something, somebody that whatever it is, whether it's old school days where they're building these weird statues and doing the gold images or now where like, sometimes I'll think about if the apocalypse hit right now and everybody died, but everything was preserved. What would they say about our society? What would they write about in history books? If they found us a hundred, a thousand, 10,000 years later, well, everybody would have a phone. They would have this thing right here, and they're bound to get somebody if this apocalypse happens immediately holding their phone. If not, the majority of the world holding their phone, except for places where it's so impoverished they don't have them. And then they would have to conclude that we must have worshipped this small box that we held in our hand ourselves because we spent all of our time staring at it. So there are other things like that you know, there, you know, TV could be that way. Movies could be that way. The other things that are, you know, in your house, like what are some things that are important? You know, um, I won't go after boats again this time. I think <laughs> I went after boat one time. <laughs> I think I got a little upset. <laughs> no. um, the, I did because, oh man, you need to go on a boat to recognize. You're right. Awesome. You're right. No, I I did have a short time with some friends that had a boat and they were, that was a big deal. <laughs> I, that was a real, real big deal. Now, if I had a boat, I'd be all about it. But Anyway, the point is we end up Fair replacing – You know, if what you spend time with is what you are worshiping, then go look at your life. Are you spending more time with God or are you spending more time – this is – okay, so like I used to get – I've learned to get frustrated when people talk like this from a, a, a stage, if you will, or a place where they have a microphone. When I say time with God, I don't mean like go measure out your quiet time. Does that equal the amount of total time that you are spending in entertainment? Probably not. You're probably spending less time in your quote unquote Christian quiet time, sitting down, reading your Bible, than you are reading or than you are watching Marvel movies or listening to podcasts that aren't Brotherhood, uh, the, or careful.
1: I'm not sure what you're implying. No, 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 no. no, no, You're right. (laughs) We're just, we're just pointing back. We're just pointing
0: back. Um, Anything that's not quote unquote quiet time, like that's not going to measure up, but the majority of your day should be spent interacting with God about what you're doing. And that's probably a weird thing for people who haven't practiced it. But it should be constantly going back to God, what do you think about this? Or uh maybe less Christian just filtering it through the idea of where is God's influence on this? How is God interacting with this? I mean, it's I think it's the same thing like when you know, I'm at a camp with my kids, inevitably I'm going to think of, oh, my wife wants a picture of that. Or man, what would my wife think about that thing that Augustus is doing right now? Or man, I better talk to Jessica about this because this is something we need to address with the kids. Or man, she has not seen Augustus do this kind of, you know, he finally won in this thing we're trying to parent up or, you know, he was finally obedient or he finally stepped out and took charge or those things that we're trying to get our kids to do. Like my mind goes to my wife a lot. Well, why? Because I'm, I interact with her on those bases, and she's a big factor in how those things work. So that's actually time spent with my wife, even though she's not specifically there. That's uh, honoring her space and her place as a spouse. So in the same respect, God ha- God and your relationship with God should have a similar interaction when you're dealing with things. But if you go all day and you spent that one, five minutes, check that box off and you know praying in the morning, and then you spend the rest of the day just thinking of yourself, and how what you're going to do, and the different things, and God never factors into that, then that is where you got to start measuring that time. You got to start looking at, is God influencing all the areas of my life, or do I have him just packaged into this checkbox? That is where I think if I'm talking to myself, I'm like, okay, Matt, then you need to look at, are you putting yourself before God? Are you putting some other things before God? Are you putting sports, movies, TV? Are all those things more important? than your relationship with God and his influence on you. That's definitely something that I've,
1: I've thought a lot about and kind of recognizing that it's not that I need to pray for hours upon hours about something. Sometimes it's just like, hey, God, I want to include you in this decision. Like, I, you know, I just want to pray about this. Like, I just, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I feel it. like it's a big decision. And a lot of times, especially when I was thinking about like, man, I, I just don't know what to do here. I think we've talked about this on this, on this podcast is God's like, I trust you make the decision. Yes. And you're just like, okay, God, no, I'm praying for you. Like, I want you to like, I'm going to put the fleece out. Like I want you to tell me like a or B, like I'm going to, I'm giving you multiple choice questions and I want you to answer And he's like, no, he's like, I trust you to make the right decision. And guess what? If you make the wrong decision, I can still work in that too.
0: And I'm like, man, yes. I was about to say that. Yes. Yeah. That's That's been a huge thing the last couple of years for me is recognizing that he's put the decision in my hands. He trusts me to make the best call I see in like a human perspective. And even if I don't, like even if I make the wrong call, his grace is sufficient on the back end. And inevitably it becomes I made the wrong call because of a lack of understanding, growth, learning, like all these different things that pop in. So there's a reason I thought that was the right call, even though it was the wrong one. Then he takes that and says, hey, Matt, let's learn. Let's talk. I mean, this is, I feel like this is daily or weekly, but in my life, especially as a business owner, it's like I'll make a decision. And then at the time, I'll tell Jessica, I was like, I really thought that was the right decision. Like I didn't go into this thing. Like a lot of it's with personnel right now, you know, I'm with staffing and hiring and firing and all that stuff. So like, I'll tell Jessica, like I really didn't go into that thinking, ah, I don't want to think about it or I don't care what happens. Just let's do this. or you know what? You know, I hate this situation or I hate this person or I don't like it I'm gonna do something purposely to be you know, to treat them poorly. like that's not the case. It's always with the idea of like I've prayed about it, like I really think this is the right step, and then I'll get on the back end and be like, man, I made that a hundred percent involved, thinking that I was making the right step, and I mean, No, it wasn't like there's a better step I could have taken. And God's like, all right, so let's talk about why you thought that was the right step. Let's talk about what's going on. Is it fear? Is it uh, are you dealing with some other things? Are there is there a lack of understanding and knowledge? Do you perceive leadership business? Like here are some things, Matt, I'm recognizing and I'm like, man, that's so true. So then I can grow from there. And that just becomes I become so grateful. And then on top of it, God like fixes it all. And that's not the right word, but it's like he shores up everything. Like, you know, let's say I make the wrong call and I, this is super easy. Underbid. I'll underbid a job. I really did. Went through my due diligence. Thought it was there. Thought it was there. Made the call. It's underbid. Of course, they accept it. So then you get up there and you're like, oh, shoot. This is a. am paying them to clean their windows. Like, then he'll show up and all of a sudden, like so many times where situations were going poorly and then... You know, and uh, the easy one to use for underbid is then they they give you another job, so now you can now right the ship a little bit and kind of average do the averages out and get that one a little higher. So I'm always like, man, God, thank you, like you totally covered me for that one when I made a poor decision. So yeah, he told God is when you're intimately connected with God on a regular basis and bringing Him into the different areas of your life. Not only does He give you the wisdom and help you make the right decisions when you make the wrong decision. He comes back um, on the back end and says, here, let me help you out. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to shore up some areas. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, even though we're going to have to learn and grow so we don't make a decision like that again. Like that, God, that's where God's goodness. That's why you read these things where like David's writing and he's like, oh, God's this, God's this. And he's like, he's complaining. And then he comes back and says, no, 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 no. God's good. Like God's good. Even though all this is going on, I know good and well, God's going to show up and all this will matter and end up showing up or coming out together as a great thing for me and everybody involved. That's a good God. I feel like, I feel like we, uh, we stumbled onto something there. I, I got the, uh, I I got the excited Matt on that one. (laughs) That, yeah, listen, that, that will get me excited because it's, it, it just blows my mind that God can be that good because God is faithful in and out in my life. I can't, I can't speak for anybody else, but in and out. And the, what gets me is the times when I think he's not faithful. He was faithful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just hadn't seen it yet. Well, if we just, to, just I need a little time. Yeah. If we fast
1: forward to, uh, I think it was his third point where he's talking about, no, second point. Because we, we, we've been on point number one this whole time. Uh, he talks about how in John 5, Jesus, Jesus heals a lame man who had been there for 38 years. And he heals the man. And then the Pharisees or whoever are looking for Jesus are like, you know who healed you? And he's like, I don't know, some guy. And then later on, Jesus circles back and is like, you know, hey, you know, go and sin no more. You've been healed. <laughs> and the guy's like, hey, it was Jesus that healed me. Go get him, guys. And like when you talk about the goodness of God, like that that's a guy that actually betrayed him, like undeserving Blessing, right? Like, totally heals a guy. That guy ultimately ends up, you know, pointing the the bad guys tor- towards Christ. Which, again, like it was, it fulfilled what what got what Jesus was trying to do. But like that was undeserved grace. That was that was undeserved. Like pretty much everything. And and God was still faithful then. You know, God. That's the kind of God that we serve is is a guy that's will a God that's willing to even in our mess just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to help you. I care about you. And, you know, for my, my mind to wrap my, wrap that around my mind, like he wants a relationship with me, but I can't create the kind of relationship that he wants. I have to understand him. You know, he talks about going back to point one that we kind of need to touch on a little bit is obedience is essential to following Jesus and recognizing, okay, like, what does that mean? Like, how do I obey Christ? What are his commandments? Like, what's, you know, what are the things that he wants us to do? Like, he'll still bless us even if we're not walking in that. And, you know, hopefully that points us to him, but walking in his blessing, walking in that obedience, being Christ like that, that's where the fulfillment part comes into play. You know, getting your feet back, being able to walk. Yeah, that's a, that's a better life, but, you know, getting your feet back and having that relationship with Christ and really walking to, into the, the fulfillment of your purpose, that's a whole nother thing. So for us, we're looking at situations where it's like, oh man, like, I've dreamed of this moment of being able to walk and God's like, yeah, well, okay, I'll heal you. But you know, there's, there's more to life than just walking. You can experience more of it, but what can you do with that? Like what, what can your testimony help reach other people and help other people can, you know, your interaction with those people who have seen you there for the 38 years, you know, how, how can, how can that be a a testimony to other people as well as, you're uniquely qualified for something else, and walking towards that, and 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 God has that that opportunity to take what the devil intended for bad and and making it good, and that's 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 what we want to walk towards. Uh, but I do want to kind of put the little caveat on there is that, you know, God is is definitely willing to to bless us even in situations where we don't deserve it, but there is. There's a call to obedience as well. And and he's he's really kind of saying to you, I want you to know me. Knowing me has some things that come comes with it. And and part of that is, you know, be like Christ, follow the example that I've provided, point others to me, discipleship, leading others. You know, uh Chris talked about that following Christ leads to desire change and and recognizing that it's not our own selfish desires, but it's it's you know, having the things that that God desires on our heart and it really kind of pulls us in that direction. And that's the thing that, that we want to have as followers of Christ is the desires of of God's heart and and really kind of taking on that purpose in our life. All right, so going on to step two, so or number two point point two, he talked about things can only be dealt with at the source. And he he went into that Lord of the Rings analogy in terms of, you know, having the ring uh It was, uh, was it Frodo that had the ring? Frodo that had the ring and and, and having to kind of throw it into the fire and letting some of those things go and recognizing that there's, there's things in our life that really can kind of grasp onto us and hold onto us and we have to deal with them. And that's difficult. And And God, God wants to free us of those things, but we have to be willing to throw it into the fire and really confronting those things on the, at the source. Like he had that same analogy with his mom passing away and writing that letter and saying, you know, first of all, I don't understand, like, why didn't you try harder? Why didn't you do this? Like, you know, just kind of getting some of those emotions out and then, and seeing that blossom and turn into, you know, here's, you know, I know you weren't there, but you know, I want you to know, you have a grandson, you have a granddaughter, you have, you know, here's, here's the family that I've been able to get. And there's like, a it, it kind of shifts, and it allows you to heal and allows you to kind of get to that point where you have true freedom. And I think that, you know, having the desire of God's heart is awesome. Like, you know, pursuing those things is great, but I don't think we, well, I think we do talk about freedom a little bit, but I don't, I think we take freedom for granted. We live in America. We have a lot of different freedoms that we don't even think about, but there's also a lot of things that, that we carry those weights that actually hold us back. And we don't have true freedom. We have, we have freedom that we, maybe, maybe think is freedom, but we don't have that true freedom to, to walk in the fullness of what, what God's created for us. And I think the key point that I really got from what he was talking about with this was uh, where he said, you know, what's a stake if you don't confront these difficult things? Like you, you, you maybe don't know the true freedom that you, you have. You don't maybe know uh, the things that you might look back on later on life and go, Oh man, like that prevented me from, you know, X, Y, and Z having some of the, having a, the kind of relationship that I really should have had with my daughter was one of the analogies he had. But ultimately what's keeping you back will ultimately be your future regret or what joy was possible if you were willing to make the journey and, and contrasting those two things and saying, okay, you know, there's definitely things in my life as I, as I desire to become closer to God. Am I willing to throw away some of these things that I think are important that really aren't important? Am I willing to confront those head on, work and and recognize that a a greater joy is possible so that I'm not looking back and reflecting on life and saying, you know, I I didn't have the true relationship with my daughter because I was not willing to fully love her because I was trying to protect myself and I was trying to protect her. And there's a fear there. But that fear, I mean – Your kids are only kids for so long and that those important stages, you know, that could ultimately lead to her being insecure in herself and projecting that onto other people. And for you, you look back and say, Hey, I, I, I never had the true relationship with my daughter or my son that I wanted to have. And I don't want to look back and do that. I don't want to be in that situation. And for me, it's, I think it's good to be reminded of let's take inventory of maybe the things that are holding us back on the other side what you know what are the, what are some things that we can be working towards through gaining
0: that true freedom in yeah Christ? that's really good perspective you know the the idea that some things can only be dealt with so i wrote down some problems can only be dealt with by going straight to the source you know chris has to go to this god who at that time is the one who can't answer the question about his mom or won't answer the question about his mom. And the courage to do that then makes way for the intimacy that God creates with him in that showing him that, you know, he used this imagery of this bubble wrap, you know, he had bubble wrapped his insulated himself so that he would never feel. Of course, if you never feel, you can never connect. That's where the story about his daughter came into play. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around this, but God has a nature where he takes a question that ultimately you're kind of offended by him and will navigate and walk you through so that your offense to God won't destroy the rest of your relationships and you have to trust them and you build that trust as you go but that's to me a huge effort by God because if if I put that in human terms that would be like you're mad at me for something I didn't do and I take on the responsibility while you're mad at me while I'm being blamed while I'm getting the brunt of said consequence from you I take it upon myself to start adjusting things and listening and talking all while you're complaining about me to help you see or build a better relationship with me. Never, ever guaranteeing that you don't stop blaming me for the thing I didn't do. Like that's, as a human, you'd be frustrated. It'd be easy to write that person off. You'd be like, I didn't do all that to you. Like, that's not what happened. So God being good enough and faithful enough to navigate that through you so that you could feasibly come to the other side of it, still not have a, an answer to the question that you are willing to accept, and still have a relationship with God that's connected, that's intimate, that's all those things. And anytime you want to go back to that burr in your saddle or that rock in your sh- shoe, he'll go right back to it. Instead of getting frustrated, instead of being like we've been dealing with this, why why can't you just get over that? Why why is that? Why does that have to keep coming up? Like he'll keep going back to it, keep going back to it, keep going back to it. Like that is only something that a God could do. Only somebody with infinite power and infinite capacity of emotion and infinite all of that across the board could sit and listen. Like we like to think of God as all powerful in the sense of like he can part the seas and you know he's going to send a lightning bolt and all that stuff. Like. Real power from an emotional standpoint, like if I have to compare my physical strength to my emotional strength, emotional strength is way more difficult to have. It's way more difficult to develop. It's way more difficult to keep. And yet God has this unlimited capacity to navigate something with you. And that is, I mean, it's tremendous. It's, it's what, it's what, it's why, if you're listening to this, wondering what's the big deal about a relationship with God, this is one of the reasons people fall in love with God. It's because of the capacity he will deal with you on emotional level to walk through things that you blame him for that aren't his fault.
1: Yeah, well, he's patient, right? Love is yeah. patient. Love is kind. And I think that's where we get it from <laughs> Going back to like that walk with God, like I've got, okay, God, you're patient. I need, I need, and you have a lot of love. I need you to give me some of that love to love other people. I need you to give me some of that love to be patient with other people. Because if I want to be like you, I got to tap into that. Cause I don't have it. Like, yeah. uh, I, th- I can't remember who said it, but someone said something to the fact like God tells you to love people. And that's pretty difficult. Cause you know, I have family that I have trouble loving yeah. <laughs> and those are people that I like, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's like, how do I, how do I like somebody that I, or how do I love somebody that I don't like? Like that's that kind of love is is on a completely different level. And, and that that's the kind of thing that we have to tap, tap into. And again, that goes back to the, that relationship of just walking through uh, life with God and, and including him in those decisions, including him in, you know, what you're going through and just say, Oh God, I don't like this person. Uh, help me to love them. Help, help me to show you to them through me. I think I said that right. And it's, it's not, it's a, it's a struggle that I deal with. I have not mastered it by any means. And it's, it's just a reminder of take a moment and just say, God, uh, I need you here. I, I, I need your strength. I need your help. Cause I, I, I want to be that kind of person to somebody. I want to be able to love the unlovable. I want to be the, the, uh, the, you know, that reflection of you to see the good in people, even when they're not being good to me, uh, and, and walk through that together because it's tough. It, it's, and it's something that we as a brotherhood need to be reminded of, you know, all these things that, that Chris has talked about are, are great things that we need to be reminded of and, and just kind of recognizing that our, every journey is different. Every step is different. Uh, and there's a lot of different things that we can get in terms of understanding the character of God, understanding who God is and continuing to pursue that relationship with him. The last thing that he he talked about was that God always shows up in our weakness. Uh, and I guess it ties a little bit to what I was saying there. He said, if you don't love God, you don't love people. So stop calling yourself a Christian, and uh, oh, I think yeah. that 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 kind of that 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 piggybacks again right back onto what I was saying is like, God, I know that you called me to love people. I know that uh, that you created everybody in your image for a reason, for a purpose, and you know, for me to go and make disciples, go and be that reflection of Christ to other peoples requires undeserved love and to truly be a christian is is walking through that in life. Uh man, it it hits hard because I mean, I just said it, it's really really difficult. And the the good part about God is he will show up in that. And just like he said, you know, if that's our weakness, that's my weak that's one of my weaknesses. Uh I think we're, we're on brotherhood counseling session. I'm laying on the couch right now. That's one of my weaknesses. But I know that God's going to show up in that, and I don't know, I don't know how it's going to be manifested. Maybe it's more patience with that person. Maybe it's it's the ability to have a conversation, or or just be there to listen. You know, sometimes I don't have to say anything. You know, my mom said if I don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But I can stand next to you. I can be there to support you. Uh, you know, that that might be that first step of love. But recognizing that, you know, through that relationship uh, with God, you know, there's going to be times where we we have to you know look at God's goodness we can see it from other people we can recognize that you know as we follow God there's fruit that happens with that that you know there's he's called us to obedience he's called us to all these different things and now we got to walk through that now we got to we got to continue that walk that journey just doesn't st- uh, end when you say okay God I believe in you I'm accepting you into my heart I I trust in you that's that's the easy part the hard part is walking through that relationship with God. So, you know, I, I think about it often when there's, you know, an altar call at at the end of a service and and you know, there's been some sort of message, and you know, we're we're calling out, like, hey, if if this resonated with you and, and you want to ask God to be a part of your life, you know, let let's let us pray with, you know, pray this with me. Let's let's go through the uh, uh, the path to salvation. I think people know what they're getting into with that. I think they recognize that that's life change. Um, but man, that's just walking through the door, and that's where you know when you make that decision, when you take that stand. Uh, he, he talked about it a little further up. It says the moment he was talking about Romans seven. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. That's when the adversity starts. You get off the bench, you step onto the field. Now, now you, now you got to fight. Now you gotta, you gotta go through that walk. And walking out that faith, building that relationship with God, you're going to be like, man, I, I want to read my Bible. I want to be nice to people. I want to volunteer. I want to you know, live the kind of life that, that God leads. And then God puts all the people in your life. They, or not God, but you know, the devil puts all the people in your life. All that adversity starts showing up. And we're going to test that faith right now. Is this, is this the path that you want to go? <laughs> and you're going to be like, okay, I can't do this on my own, God. I, I'm referring to you. And that's the kind of relationship that that we want to have with, with God because he is faithful. He's going to step up in our weakness and, and help us through that. But we got to recognize that when we start taking those steps of faith, that's when the relationship becomes super important because we cannot do it on our own. Our, we, we can We can fumble through it. We can think that we have the answer, but God sees beyond that. And like we said before, God can walk through whatever adversity we have and use it for good. And, and recognize that that can be a situation that we, we are in a position to grow in Christ, grow
0: in our relationship, and, and help point others to Him. Do you ever get that sense when you're in a situation where patience is being manifested, but you get this sense like, I'm not doing this right now. Like, yes, I'm being patient. I'm the one standing here listening or not responding or not overreacting or all these things that, typically occur when you deal with impatience. But you get the sense of like, I'm doing it, but I'm not doing it. Like it's, that's the, that's the feeling I get when I walk through something, you know, if I'm trusting God and I'm able to navigate a new surprise financially and I'm not worrying, I'm calm about it. I'm not trying to, my head's not spinning a thousand miles an hour to try to solve it. I'm just like, yeah, I can let that one rest. Like that becomes a sense of like, it's this very difficult to describe space where you're executing everything, but it's not on power that you know you have or that you remember having or that you know you can access at all times. Yes, you can access God's power all the time, but it's not like this sense of like, just turn on the faucet. You know, with patience or dealing with security versus worry with me. Depending on where I'm at in my relationship and my intimacy time with God, it doesn't. I can't just turn it on like a faucet. You can't just tell me, stop worrying. That doesn't ha- It's not how it works. That would be my own strength. It happens, and it, it doesn't even happen in a sense of like, I make that actual decision. I just see when I spend time in the presence of God, I will find myself responding to situations with a sense of security or trusting God. In your case, maybe it's patience that I don't remember having on my own and I know isn't something I can just turn on at the drop of a hat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that partly kind of goes back to when you're plugged in to God, it becomes a flow, right? So there's yeah. a, like, yeah, there's an, a, an unending supply that, that we need to kind of pull in to and, and plug ourselves into because, you know, even if I'm like storing up patience or I'm storing up love for somebody, there's only I feel like there's only a finite amount I have, especially when it's somebody I don't have the patience for, I don't have the love for it. I can't, I can't. I'm having trouble seeing them through God's eyes. But when you're plugged into Him and and you, you start seeing uh, the world through His eyes and you have that relationship, you're you're connected to an unending supply and it, it the situation becomes different and it, it, it's it's not a situation of you know this this person deserves the situation that they're in this person, you know, the seeds that they planted. Now they're in a, they're a heart in a harvest. And you know, that, that's for me, that's my self justification on on why I can treat them the way that I do. But God doesn't look at it that way. God looks at them and just says, Hey, you're, you're my daughter, you're my son. And that's my daughter. That's my son. Go get them, go love on them. Go be my hands and feet. Yeah. I, I need that unlimited supply to, to, to be that to somebody else sometimes. And, you know, his, his whole statement here, going back to it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's burning on me is if you don't love God, you don't love people. And I'm like, God, I, I do want to love people and I do love you. You know, how, how can I, how can I really analyze that and, and, and keep taking those steps towards being, you know, who you created me to be? Because if I don't, if I don't love God and I don't love people, then I can take the old, you know, Christian off of the resume because he's basically saying, you're not plugged into Christ. You don't have that, that true relationship with him that is a byproduct of, uh, that love is a byproduct of, of obe- obeying him, having his desires, and, and really being plugged into who God created us to be. Uh, yeah. So when I said at the beginning of this, there's a, there's a lot of meat that we just touched on. That I mean, that's a that's a strong point right there. It's like, man, I, I think we could probably go another hour on that alone, mm-hmm. and really kind of digging into, you know, truly experiencing God's love, understanding what God's love. What does it mean? What does it mean to have God's love, and and, and really go down that path? But I don't want to. I mean, I think we're 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 a solid hour into this, so <laughs> I think it's time to wrap it up. But Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on this with me. I think that uh, you know, as a brotherhood. These are the kind of topics. These are the kind of things from a, a spiritual walk that we want to continue to strive towards and, and be reminded of. Because I don't think these are things that we think about when, when we're on that journey with Christ. We're, we're just thinking like, "Hey God, help me in my finances." Hey God, help me be healthy. Hey God, I hope my kid gets a gets an A. Let me pray for him. Like that's one facet of walking with Christ. But you know, some of these things right here really making that faith real having that real Jesus experience where that relationship really begins to flourish. And you're you're not sitting on the sidelines going, yeah, I acknowledge the existence of God, but saying I have a relationship with God. And by having a relationship with God, it's changed who I am. And it changes how I relate to other people. Man, that's, I, I know it's something that we're, we're, we continually strive towards and continue to grow with and, ho- and hopefully through Matt and I's transparency, Recognize that it, it, it does not become fully manifested just because you desire it. It is a journey, and it's, it's a walk. That's good. So, brothers, with that, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.